You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. First John chapter 3 tonight, and as you find it, you can go ahead and stand. First John chapter 3, we'll be reading um, a few verses here. Uh, we're back in 1 John 3. We were here last week, and last week we looked at, looked at verses 10 and 11. And uh, tonight, though, I'd like to kind of go through uh, the rest of the passage, just kind of hitting some overview here. Um, but, but looking at, we were called, we've been looking how we're called to love God, we're called to love each other, and we're not only called, we've been commanded, and we've been made capable. So God doesn't just say, I want you to do something that you can't do. He actually shed his love abroad in our hearts and he gives us the capability to love like he loves. That's pretty amazing. That God, the God of heaven could love me with a certain kind of love, agape love. And he says, now I want you to love other people the way that I love you. And love is more than feeling. And that's our culture. Our culture says love feels, but love, agape love is love in action. It's love that works, like our theme is. And so we've been dealing with that thought, love works, love produces works. Our primary marker as Christians is love, but the evidence of love is our works. And that's kind of the idea that we've been dealing with. And First John, John is the, the, the apostle, uh, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. Love is a theme of John. If you read his writings, then you know that. And I'd like to begin reading in verse 10. And we'll read down through verse 18 tonight. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. That makes it pretty clear. Verse 11, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow, John is really laying it on, isn't he? Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our title tonight is this. Um, last week we talked about uh, when love doesn't work. And tonight's message I'm calling when love doesn't work, Part two. You like that? Yeah, it took me a lot of creativity. Okay, so you see, the truth is when love doesn't work, we're, we have a problem. And, and the issue last week was that it makes you reflect 
the spirit of the devil. And that's a big deal. And tonight, and you say, well, I don't, I don't have the spirit of the devil. I mean, I don't have the spirit of Satan. And yet when you start to look at the characteristics of somebody whose love isn't working, you realize that may be present more than you think. Because there's some characteristics here. We don't think as being the spirit of the devil, but really it is the spirit of Satan. And we've got to be careful about when love isn't working. Thank you. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Last week I started with a story about a woman at church. And you'll, you'll probably remember this if you were here. But she was surprised one day when after church another lady from church came up to her and gave her a big hug. And she was kind of blown away by it. She was shocked by it. Because uh, this woman had never talked to her before. As a matter of fact, there have been plenty of times where she saw this lady at church that she thought, this, this woman clearly doesn't like me. She's clearly avoiding me. She's even snubbing me at times. And yet this time she came up to me and hugged me like we're best friends. And so she was left scratching her head like, what in the world? What prompted that? I mean, I'm happy, but what prompted it? And her answer came at the end of the service when the pastor got up and said, all right, your assignment for next week is the same as this week. I want you to go out there and love somebody that you cannot stand. Whew. You know, for some, that's, that's brutal, isn't it? For some people, though, love only goes hug deep. You know, and, and we have to be mindful. Listen, I'm not saying there's something wrong, there's, there's anything wrong with hugs. I, you know, I think it is a reflection when you love somebody, you hug somebody. And yet, and yet we have to be mindful that that doesn't, that doesn't equate love, biblically speaking. See, love, that the extent of our love sometimes can be simple words and a simple deed that we don't really mean. But if we're told to love like Jesus, I want to remind you that his love was bowing down and washing the feet of his own disciples. His love, his love went to a cross and died for all men. I mean, all men and ladies and every sinner that's ever been born. He was humble. He was sacrificial. He gave so that others could receive the benefit. He wasn't giving out fake hugs. He wasn't just speaking. He wasn't just using words. No, Jesus' love was a behold what manner kind of love. That's how John starts the chapter. His love was beyond comprehension. Jesus came as creator, and, but he was humble and he was, he was sacrificial and he was inconvenienced. And he always did what was good for the best of the other person. That's agape love. That's the kind of love that we've received. And so what a shame then if we as God's people benefit from that kind of love. And we're even made capable of that kind of love. And yet we refuse then to turn around and give that kind of love to, to somebody else when we've been benefactors of that kind of love. I mean, God shed his love abroad in our hearts and he made us capable of it. And yet often we don't love like that. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like a musician. You know, I've known some really good musicians and some people that were extremely talented. And yet I've, I've also known some very talented that didn't put the work in to become a really good musician. And I think about that person now and I'm like, man, what a waste of talent. I know people that have been able to sing really well and, and yet they couldn't, be, they, were, they couldn't be bothered to put the work in and be a blessing to other people. I'm thankful here at Eastside that we have a lot of people that put in the work to be a blessing. 
They use their talents to be a blessing. Uh, I mean, I, I, this is kind of like a Christian that doesn't love. It's like somebody with a great mind who refuses to read. It's like a young person who has influence in the youth group and let you, you, yet you use it to lead your friends the wrong direction. You know, we, we, all of us have received the benefits of the love of God. And you say, well, you know, I don't really have a relationship with God, so therefore I've never really received the benefit. Well, that doesn't mean that it's not available to you tonight. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us before we ever received him as Savior. He loves you tonight, and he loves you with love that you can't even comprehend. It's behold what manner of love. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, he says. And last week then, we started working through then what it means to, to reveal your genuine position in Christ. Love validates us. You know, there are a lot of people that say, you know, I'm, um, I am this or I'm that, or maybe like I, I'm a fan of this team, okay? Um, and so, you know, they jump on a bandwagon. I don't, bandwagon fans, they shouldn't be allowed, right? So, I mean, the Vikings are doing really well this year. Um, and, you know, a bandwagon fan is somebody who's never wore Viking gear until this year. That's a bandwagon fan. And, but they weren't, they weren't fans of the Vikings when you were suffering in your basement with, at three win seasons, you know? Uh, the people that just kind of jump on board, they say they're fans, but, you know, they're not really fans unless they're there through the tough times, right? Well, well, what John is trying to get to is he's trying to say, you know, you say that you're disciples. You say that you follow Jesus. And yes, you know, you're raising your hand. Yeah, that's me. I'm a follower. I'm a disciple. And yet he says, but if you lack love, then, you know, we can make an assessment about your position in Christ based on how you love. Because for a Christian... Love is like breathing. Love just happens. Because when you have proper perspective of who God is and what he's done for you, it shouldn't be hard to love somebody else. Because you're thinking, how could he love me? I mean, I want somebody else to ex experience that kind of love. And, and so love validates us. And, and so if love isn't working in our lives, it reveals a problem. Look at verse 10. He says, in this the children of God are manifest. He's talking about love. He's talking about righteousness. And he says, also though, on con in contrast, here's how the children of the devil are manifest. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And you say, man, man, John seems pretty judgy to me. No, I mean, John, this is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here. And this isn't me making it hard. This is John saying... If love is missing in somebody's life, then we may do it, need to examine our standing with the Savior. He says in verse 11, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. See, love is not something that got added later. You know, this isn't one of those things that you got hired at a job. They said, these are your responsibilities. This is your pay. The next week later, maybe a week later, you're still doing those responsibilities. You're getting that pay. And they add a whole other level of responsibility to your job. I mean, has that ever happened to you? But your pay doesn't go up? You're saying, I didn't sign up for this. No, see, when it comes to discipleship, love is a basic. It's at the very beginning. This is something that you knew from the beginning, John says, that love is the characteristic marker of a child of God. This isn't something that you said, oh yeah, I'll follow Jesus 
and then halfway, halfway through it, you're like, oh, but we have to love each other? I mean, I don't think so. I didn't sign up for this. No, when you sign up to follow Jesus, you sign up to love. This is, this is it from the beginning. This is the foundation of the Christian life. And so then I, he, John then goes through this text and he kind of gives us the effects. Here are the effects. Here is what happens when love isn't working. And you might say again, well, you know, the spirit of the devil, that's not me. But you might find that some of the words that we use that John uh, gives here, and maybe not even just the word, but the act that we give a word to, you might say, okay, I may be guilty of the spirit of the devil more than I realized. Because here's what happens when love isn't working. The first thing I want to notice here is we resort to jealousy. When love isn't working, we resort to jealousy. Look at verse 12. He says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. Now, so let's stop right there. When it says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. You know what? John had just got done talking about there are those that have the spirit of the devil and those that reveal the spirit of God. So when he says Cain, he was revealing the spirit of the devil. He was of that wicked one. He says, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did he slay him? Well, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. You know what this word is that we can attach to this right here? If we don't love as we should, we're going to find ourselves ensnared by jealousy. Cain was jealous of his brother because his brother's works were better than his. And, and when people don't love selflessly, it leaves a vacuum. Okay, so God has called us to love. He's placed us within us the capability to love. And yet when we don't love as we should, that, there's a vacuum filled, or a vacuum there. And it's got to be filled with something. And you know what it gets filled with? It gets filled with our human nature. It gets, see, where God isn't able to fill us, we leave a vacuum, we leave a void. And you know what we do? What we do what's natural. And what's natural is that we are selfish. And you say, well, this isn't the kind of message I wanted to come in here on a Wednesday night. I want to be encouraged. No, well, well I mean, I want to encourage you. Maybe by the end of it, you might, maybe you'll find some encouragement. Okay, it's a little hard. It's a kind of a hard message, okay? So I'll just give it to you up front, but this is how John's talking. He's like, he's saying, listen, you've got to examine yourself. And if you don't love like you should, you're going to be filled with the spirit of the devil, which is the spirit of Cain, and it is this idea of jealousy. Cain was jealous of Abel, and he literally killed him because of it. And we say, man, I can't believe that that family could do that to each other. I just want to remind you that was the very first family that did that. I mean, in some ways, they set the tone. And this is what families are capable of. This is what sin will lead you to if it's left unchecked. You know, there's so much dysfunction in the average American family. And, and I think jealousy does play a big part in it. And if you don't think that, I mean, if you've, ever, if you've ever raised children, if you have multiple children, then you see jealousy at work all the time. I mean, oh, they got a bigger piece than me, or they got more than me. And it's like, well, then nobody gets anything, okay? That's how you feel sometimes. You know, you think, well, jealousy, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. Well, we've been, we've been spending, we've spent weeks talking about an Old Testament Bible character named Joseph. And guess why Joseph ended up in a prison and in a pit? Because of jealousy. It's a problem. It's a problem in families. It's destroyed 
many families, and it is tor- not just torn apart families, it's torn apart more than a, church, a few church families. The unity, and I, and I want to say this as clearly as I can, the unity of Eastside Baptist Church is dependent on the ability of individuals to choose love over jealousy. Our, our unity is dependent on your willingness and your submission to choose love over jealousy. And I've seen it before, you know, things like, thoughts like this. Well, they got mentioned from the pulpit. And, and I didn't get mentioned from the pulpit. And yet we, I did as just as much work as they did. I'll just leave it in the Lord's hands. But I'm going to go talk to those people about it. You know, their baby got a picture on the church Facebook page and ours didn't. And ours is definitely cuter. (laughs) How are they singing again? And I'm not. Uh, You know, I'm just as qualified to teach that class as they are. And, you know, and when I go through that, we think, oh, that sounds silly. That's just petty. But I wish we understood how often those things become problems in churches. And I'm thankful we don't deal with that, uh, a lot of that stuff here. And, and yet, so this may be preventative, but let's never get to that place. Let's, let's not get to the point where jealousy drives us as a church family. If, if jealousy tears apart a family, it can tear apart a church family. That attitude isn't Christ-like love. Agape love doesn't keep score. You know, I mean, I, uh, there are some churches, I, I imagine, some churches out there in which scorekeeping is a pastime. And you walk into the foyer, there should be a, a big electronic scoreboard up there, Hatfields and McCoys, you know. Let's not be that way. See, here's why. Because the best scorekeeper is in heaven and he watches. He knows. You know, he doesn't make mistakes. He's not like a referee that needs glasses. He sees it all. There's no instant replay. He he keeps score. He never messes up. And you know, someday you'll stand before him and he'll give you the score that you deserve. So let him right now. Don't keep score about this or that. He's keeping track. Jealousy will destroy anything positive we've got going at Eastside Baptist Church. It's a silent killer. And I say that because many times jealousy lies below the surface of our hearts and it doesn't necessarily come out uh, you know, right away, but it just lays there and it, and it kind of festers. And I'm just asking you as a mature member of Eastside Baptist Church to, to say it is my responsibility when jealousy is present in my heart to choose love over jealousy. Because what we have going here is much more important than whatever scores I'm trying to keep. Be happy when somebody succeeds. You know, be thankful when they're blessed, even if you're not. And I know and we've got people in our church, even right now, going through struggles, and it's like one struggle after another, and one, and here comes another one. And yet we've got some, and it's like one blessing after another, and here comes another one. And if you're not careful, and you're over on this side, and there's somebody over on this side, you're going to look over there, and you're going to be, man, it, jealousy. It's going to start to eat away with you, at you. Be grateful um, for the blessings you have. Be grateful for the people around you. Be thankful for their faithfulness. Be thankful that God is blessing them and let him keep the score. See, when love isn't working, we, re- we resort to jealousy. And here's another thing that happens. When love isn't working, we resort to hatred. Um, look at verses 14 and 15. 
He says in verse 13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Okay, that's how you know that you're a child of God, because you love your brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Man, he really gets after it, doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't hold back here. And so what he's saying is, listen, love reveals that you are a genuine child of God. But if love is the marker of a child of God, the opposite of love is hatred. And hatred says the opposite. If he says, if you love, then you are a, you love the brethren, you know that you've passed from death to life. But listen, if you hate the brethren, if there's hatred in your heart toward your brothers in Christ, toward your sisters in Christ, he says that person abides in death. He says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And and man, I'm certainly, listen, I'm not the one trying to indict you. I'm reading what the text says tonight, and I know it's hard, but this is what John is trying to get to. He's trying to let them see that the, 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 the markers of their life, the characteristics of their life, are, are how they know whether or not they need to examine themselves. Because if there are not certain markers in a Christian's life, you need to take some time. It may be time for an examination. I mean, if you've got pain, I, you know, just this week, I... For some reason on Sunday night, I don't know if I bit down on something at eating supper and, and my tooth was hurting before I went to bed. And you know, there's, I hate toothaches. I mean, because it's like the rest of your body working just fine, but all you can think about is this tiny little spot right here and it just stops everything. And I was like, Lord, please don't let me have a toothache or don't let me have a cavity or something like that. So I went to bed, I took some Tylenol, went to bed. I was like, Lord, please. I woke up the next morning and you know what? It was gone. It, miracles happen. Okay, I'm thankful. But if I had woken up the next morning and I still had that toothache, you know what I probably would have done? I would have called. I would have just pulled it out. No, just kidding. I would have, I would have called the dentist and I would have set up an appointment. Because if you have pain, if there's pain for a couple hours, you're probably going to be okay and move on. But if pain lingers somewhere, then you better go get an examination. And that's what John is saying. He's saying, oh, it's one thing to have a moment of anger. It's another thing to live there. And if you live there long enough, you better go get an examination. That's what he's telling them. Because if you continue in anger and you continue in hatred, then you've got to examine yourself. Because if love has been, has been there long enough, you've got to, you better get a checkup. I mean, does hatred um, exist in your life? That's what John is saying. And he says, if it does, you abide in death. He says, a genuine Christian won't remain there. You may get there, but you won't stay there. It's like a bad hotel. You know, you may go check in, but once you see the room, you're not staying there. And maybe you've done that, you, maybe because of finances or there's no other rooms in the inn and you had to stay there and you regret it later, but you wouldn't have if you had a choice. Now, we've checked into some hotels before and we checked right back out. You know why? Because I don't want to sleep in that bed and whatever that is crawling on the floor, I don't want to be near it, okay? Well, see, we should have that same attitude as Christians when it comes to anger and hatred in our hearts toward other people. We may find ourselves checking in because something made us angry or something made us mad. But, you know, we ought to resist it like we would a bad hotel room because they say, I don't want to stay here. This isn't where a Christian ought to be dwelling. 
A Christian needs to stay as far away from anger and hatred toward a brother or sister in Christ as possible. That's not becoming of a Christian. See, but when love isn't working, that's where you end up. See, when love isn't working, we're filling the void with jealousy and we're filling the void with, with hatred. And when love isn't working, we're filling the void with a spirit of anger. That's what he's talking about. And you might say, well, you know, I don't really see anger. Well, maybe not, but there's definitely a spirit of anger. See, Jesus himself was the one who made a connection between anger and murder. I mean, he says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Well, we know that the root of murder is anger. Jesus said, I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said of them at old time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. He says, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And when Christ, what Christ was saying was that anger, the, that the anger that causes a person uh, to call somebody an insulting name is the same anger that causes somebody to commit murder. And that's a big indictment. And because you and I, we probably all have had anger driving to call anger enough to call somebody a name. Well, Jesus is saying that the seed of anger that causes you to call, call somebody a bad name is the same seed of anger that would result in murder. And in God's eyes, he says, your righteousness, I'm not just looking at what you do. I'm not just looking at your actions. I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at your motives. And because of that, even if you never murder someone, yet you have the seed of murder, anger and hatred, then you're just as guilty before God. That's what he says. And what John is not saying is a person who's ever killed someone can't go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. Um, I personally know somebody that killed somebody. And yet I have no doubt they were saved. Now they got saved after the fact. That act doesn't define them and it doesn't keep them out of heaven. I'm thankful for that. But John, John does make it clear though that it, goes very, it strictly goes against the nature of God not to value a human life. And that goes against God's nature. By the way, um, and, and, you know, and as a Christian, and I hope I'm thankful for the way South Dakota voted last week. I mean, it's not like every candidate's perfect. But I'm thankful for, for, for the most part how we voted here. I can't imagine, I'll just say this, I can't imagine as a Christian having a, a clear conscience and voting for somebody that says that abortion is okay. Here's why, because God values human life. And if we are going to reflect our father, we ought to value human life. And we ought to be careful to, to, to take that, that specific issue very seriously when it comes to who we vote for. See, agape love means that you value the object being loved. That's what Christ did for us. And so that's why it's such an affront to God to have hatred and anger in your heart. Because God knows if you had your way in that moment that that anger or hatred is the same kind of anger and hatred that would lead to murder. 
See, here's the thing. When love isn't working, a spirit of anger will be present. And it may not lead to murder, but God sees the heart. And see, when we don't submit to God's command to agape love, we find ourselves, we find ourselves uh, resorting to jealousy. We find ourselves resorting to hatred. We find ourselves in anger. And then he gives another one in verse 17. He says, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? See, it's not just, yeah, we, we think, well, murder would be the worst, you know, over here. But hatred and anger would be bad and jealousy, that's pretty bad. Um, but God gives another one. This one, he says, is indifference. He says, he, he's talking about how you, we could look at somebody and we could not even care that they have a need. When he says, when love isn't working, we resort to indifference. And the phrase bowels of compassion refers to the deepest part of us, the inward part of us that feels mercy and feels pity um, and kindness. It's like the dog commercials when they show these dogs and, and it's the sad song, you know, in the arms of the angels and, and the dogs are shaking. And my kids are always like, oh, and I'm like, those dogs are actors. <laughs> like they've, they've trained on how to shake, you know, it's not real. They're not even cold. They're probably like in Florida or something. And so don't buy it. And my kids, oh, you know, I'm indifferent. I'm, I mean, I will admit I'm indifferent to those dogs. You know, that's one thing, but what God says, or what J John says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is, how can you look at the need of a brother when he has a real need and be like, I don't care. Just be indifferent. And he, said, he uses his phrase, how dwelleth the love of God in him? I mean, how can you say that, that, that God has loved you and changed your life, and yet there's a need of somebody in your, in your own family, your church family, you know, that, that you look at and you're like, I don't care. I'm not moved by that. That doesn't make a difference to me. No, understand our church, our primary call as a church is to meet the spiritual needs of people around us. And yet, uh, you know, we will help with some physical needs, but that's not what we're all about. But listen, but it's not wrong. And when God leads you to, to help somebody in need in a physical way and meet a physical need, if we're never moved with compassion by the needs of others, either we're not out among them enough or we need an examination. There should be some prompting in your heart. And John finishes out these thoughts with this verse in verse 18. He says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And what he says is stop just talking about love and prove your love. Love doesn't just speak, love works. And that's what John is saying. And he says, God loved us so much that he gave and he loved indeed. He talks about that later. He loved indeed in truth. And, and, and listen, as a church, as Eastside Baptist Church, we can do without a lot of things. But the one thing we can't do without is love. Think about the alternatives. When we choose to, to not let love work, we've got, I mean, the spirit of murder and anger and hatred and jealousy and indifference. See, when we choose not to let love lead the way, that's what we'll find ourselves doing.
And I mean, if you're jealous enough of somebody in this body to, to the point that you'd resent them or backbite or gossip or, or just let it affect how you think of them or how you speak to them or how you speak about them, then I have to ask the question that John did, how dwelleth the love of God in you? And we, we may never fill this place up, but if we, can, if we can interact with each other with love instead of jealousy and meet each other's needs, and then we'd be coming close to what God wants for our church. If we ne- we may, we'll never be a mega church probably, but if we never grow and never blow the doors off this place, but we have a church where love is present, I'm okay with that. We might even find that where love is sincerely present, that's when people start to come to Eastside Baptist Church. You know, but if there's somebody in this place that just makes you mad and you can't work together, you just, we, can, we don't serve together. We can't do that. And you avoid them during services, then I have to just ask, how dwelleth the love of God in us? I mean, we might not ever build another building, but if we can love each other without boundaries and sacrifice and, and go to the extra mile and not keep score, I'm okay with that. But if we refuse to serve each other and, and we refuse to sacrifice to be a blessing to a brother or a sister in need, then we have to ask the question, how dwelleth the love of God in us? I mean, I love to watch our church fellowship and interact and, and have a good time together. I mean, just love it. But, but if we get so busy that during the week we can't take the time to talk to a lost soul about Jesus Christ, then I have to just ask, how dwelleth the love of God in us? I mean, how, you know, I just think about, you know, where it leads if love isn't working. And I don't want to be there. It reminds me of when my kids were little. I think I've used this illustration before, but when my kids were little, we lived out in the, in the country and, we didn't have any lights, and it was just at night. The stars were just awesome. You've probably been there before in places like that. And we, I would take the kids, all of them, when they were little enough to do this, we could all fit under one blanket. I mean, they were real little. And, and we would take a big blanket or sleeping bags, and we'd go out on the trampoline, and we would just look up at the stars. And we'd be under the blankets. I would tell them stories, and... And, of course, the dad and me had to tell, like, a little bit of a spooky or scary story. So half the time, half of them are crying, and I'm regretting the story. <laughs> no, there would be times where we're, we're looking up the stars, and I would say, you know, one of them would say, hey, I love you. I love you more than this blanket. And they would say, I love you bigger than this trampoline. And I would say, I, would love, you, I love you bigger than that tree right there. And then, you know, I love you bigger than the yard. I love you bigger than the house. I love you bigger than the whole county, and I love you bigger than, uh, than the city and the, than the state and the country. And then, we, we, then we'd end up like in the stars. Well, I love you bigger than all these stars. And then we always get to a place, though, where I would say, um, but I have to just tell you, I can't love you more than I love God. Because I love God the most. And my kids would be like, oh, you know, they got it. They understood because they knew if I dad loves God first and most, then I could love them way more than I ever could on my own. I have to love him first. And so, you know, I love you bigger than this. I love you bigger than this. And so we'd have like a little love scale. I love you bigger than this. Well, I think sometimes we do that in our, in our Christian lives where we think, you know, over here is, is somebody that murders somebody. 
and we say, well, you know, I'm not a murderer. And, and yet when we start to examine ourselves, but we may not be a murderer, but we have a spirit of anger that God says is the same seed that leads to murder. So are we really better than this over here? You say, well, I don't have a spirit of anger or hatred. Um, but when you start to examine yourself, you realize, but there is a spirit of jealousy there. And, and that spirit of jealousy is what caused Cain to take his own brother out. So I'm not sure that this is good enough either. And say, well, you know, I don't have a spirit of jealousy. Um, but, but if you really examine yourself, there's an indifference there. You don't really have much care or compassion for those in need, including the lost. And, and so really that's not much better than the jealousy, which isn't much better than the anger. And that's not much better than the spirit of, of hatred. And it's not really, in God's eyes, not really all that much better than the spirit of murder over there in the end. And so all, you know, we, sometimes we have this love scale. Well, you know, at least I love more than that. But, but really, if we're, not, if we're not showing agape love up here, we may not be as bad as that over there, but we're still not where we ought to be. We're all, we're kind of down here. And what we do is we set the standard for love and we say, well, as long as I do more than the next guy, I'm good. No, your standard is not the next guy. Your standard is Jesus Christ. And your standard is a sacrificial willingness to go the extra mile for the good of somebody else. And you just, it's tonight, tonight we just need an examination. Don't, don't be satisfied with being better than the next guy. Only be satisfied with when you are reaching for the standard that Jesus Christ set. So young people in the youth group, I mean, is there a spirit of hatred or anger or jealousy or indifference? Because if you're there, you've got to be up here if we want this church. And the youth group is a big part of this church, by the way. The spirit often sets the tone. And we've got to get out of that down there. When we don't love, we will resort to anger, hatred, jealousy, and indifference. And it's time to say, I don't want to settle for that down there. As a church, have we found ourselves settling down somewhere where, I mean, jealousy is a worldly trait. That shouldn't be happening at Eastside. You know, a spirit of anger and hatred, I mean, that's stuff that you might find on the streets, but you shouldn't find in God's church. You know, a spirit of indifference. I mean, how dwelleth the love of God in us? And maybe it's time tonight to just kind of stop and examine ourselves. Have we been settling for a standard that's far below Behold what manner of love. How dwelleth the love of God in you tonight? We say, well, I'm no murderer. Well, that's not good enough. I, I'm not uh, hating on somebody. That's, that's not God's standard. I'm not, at least I'm not jealous. No, that's not good enough either. I, well, you know, I, I may be indifferent, but I'm not all those. No, no, we must love others like God loves you. And if we don't, we're going to find ourselves in those categories. See, God loves us, and so choose love. God shed his love abroad in us. So decide tonight, I'm going to choose love over jealousy. I'm going to choose love over hatred. I'm going to choose love over anger. I'm going to choose love over indifference. Because if God did that for me, then, I, then the least I can do is turn around and love somebody the way I've been loved. Here's the thing. When love isn't working, nothing works. When love isn't working, nothing works. So tonight, folks, let's examine ourselves and let's just see if there's a spirit of jealousy or a spirit of anger, a spirit of hatred or a mindset of indifference. And if those are present in our life, then we need an infusion of God's love. 
we need love to start working again or we end up in places that no church ought to be. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray in just a moment and we'll have a verse of invitation tonight. And Brother Jacob will sing in just a moment. And let's just examine ourselves. I know we've heard a lot about love, but I mean, folks, I mean, this is the characteristic that should mark us as God's people. And I think probably we can't hear too much. And especially in a world that has no concept, no concept of what genuine love really is. I mean, they need to see it displayed by somebody. And they'll probably not see it somewhere else but in a local New Testament church. And so let's consider where we are tonight. Let's examine ourselves for these spirits of jealousy and anger and hatred and indifference and make sure that we're not content to stay in those places. The only way that we can combat those traits is to choose biblical love. We need that. God's people need that. We are, are, we are marked by love. Let's not be content to settle below that. Father, we love you. And we, we ask that you'd work in our hearts tonight. Help us to not um, choose to settle in a place below where you ask us to. And you've given us so many resources to, to love like you love. You, you gave us your love in our own bodies, our own lives. Uh, you, you, uh, you call us to it. You command us to it. You make us capable of it. Lord, I don't want to live below the level of, of Christianity that I uh, have been called, uh, if I've been called to something greater. And I don't want to settle. I don't want to get down to the end of it and realize that I, I live far below where I was supposed to. God, help us tonight to not, uh, to not settle for these, these traits that really tear families and church families apart. Lord, I pray that you have your will and way and work in us tonight. In Jesus' name. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.